When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Get in the know. Non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Purple Daily, presented by Surly Brewing Company. Hey, you held me at 20 points, man. Yes, you gave us a chance at the end. But I got three words for you. You like that? Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah. Well, they, they, that's, what it, that's what it could have been on Sunday. Could have had that moment, everyone coming together, but... Uh, Alas, Purple Daily, Daily Vikings Entertainment, presented by Surly Brewing Company. It's Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad, our executive producer, Declan Goff, and our football-loving friend, 10-year NFL veteran, former Viking. Football. Alex Boone. Benny. Alex, you like you like football, right? I'm falling for this one. I'm falling for it. What do you mean? I mean, you're... I love it. You're a guy who likes football, right? Love football. How much do you like football? Love football. Quite a bit. <laughs> Brian Baldinger doesn't just like football, he loves football. Micah Parsons does right here to Garrett Bradbury. I mean, this is like Monday Night Raw, right? I mean, this is all it is. Bam! Like, just go and just punch him right in the sternum. And then look at him. Where's that Dalvin? Where's he at? I don't care if they grab my shoulder pad, hold me. I don't care. Let me go get a piece of Dalvin right here. Let me hold him up here and let everybody else come clean him up. That's how you strike an offense lineman. That's how you play the game. Football! Football, yeah! Football! Football! Yeah, dude. Right there. I don't even know what to say to that. I mean, where do you go from there? What do you... Oh, Bradbury. Like, you just... That's probably all over Twitter. Everyone's probably laughing at you because some safety who's really playing linebacker just manhandled you at your own line of scrimmage. Mm. What I mean, just bro, boys, that was I don't even know what to, I don't even know where to start. So I'm gonna let you start it. Cause I there's a lot of places I could start. I think I think we should start with two things. Let's start by thanking the people that are watching us on the TCL TV because TCL is here. They are one of the world's best selling consumer electronics brands. New lineup of award winning TVs delivering the most entertainment with stunning resolution. All at an affordable cost. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. We said we were going to debut this and make this an actual segment every single week. I think we should start it right now. Right now. Declan Goff, whose ass should be fired in the NFL? Declan wants someone's head on a platter. Who is it, Declan? There's like, I have so many heads available. There's so many people on the guillotine right now. There are so many players, locally, nationally, that I want canned. 
for what happened. But Declan, fire someone's ass right, right now. now. I'm firing Mike Zimmer's ass right now. I'm wow, so sick dude. of this, dude. Wow. The, the Zimmer vaunted defense. He gets all of his tools, his little shiny toys. Well, shiny toys. His garage sale toys from Rick Spielman. And what, and what does Kellen Moore do? My next heir apparent head coach of the Minnesota Vikings, by the way, Booney, Kellen Moore, comes in with Cooper Rush, basically takes your son off the street and carves up for 400-plus yards against that defense. Mike Zimmer, come on down, dude. You are can. And, and also, you're Kubiak, you're an, you're an accomplice in this, dude. Oh, you, sure. You're an accomplice in, in this for treating your own quarterback like he was Cooper Rush. Clint Kubiak thought he had Cooper Rush last night or on Sunday night football, not the other way around. Kellen Moore gives him the 300 plus yards. Zimmer gets gashed. And then what? Kirk Cousins does nothing but check down Charlie all night long. Mike Zimmer, Clint Kubiak, handcuffed. You're gone. You're gone. I want you both gone. You're fired. You're fired. There it is. Fired. Get out of here. Check down Charlie. That's <laughs> <laughs> appropriate. It is so appropriate. I mean, that's just such a shameful game plan. You know, I'm looking at it like <clears throat> I was watching it with my with some of my neighbors, obviously. They were they're just they're so mad. And they're like, dude, what is going on? I'm I don't know. At some point in this game, like there'll be a spark. Someone's gonna decapitate someone. Someone's gonna do something to set up the Sunday night football theme, and everyone's gonna get all excited and rah. Dude, I'm telling you, they should be arrested for not running Dalvin Cook more, not just unleashing him on that defense. That defense, they walk around. They remind me of, like, the old Seattle teams. They walk around a lot, talk a lot, do all this. Yeah, they got one dude getting interceptions, but he didn't get any last night. But the truth is, when you punch their guys like that in the mouth, they don't really do much. They kind of just go with it, like, okay, yeah, you're right. Maybe we shouldn't have been talking so much, especially when you let Dalvin unleash on them. And just the way that they – the screens and all these just dude it was bad tonight on sunday night football you want to see 53 checkdowns from the vikings offense against a backup quarterback at home stick around seriously i mean and that's the thing too is like and Declan kind of hit it on the head the the vikings took the game plan that the dallas should have had but kellen moore is he knows what he's doing listen i'm not going to be the guy with mike here mike's already too established and he people think he's doing this even though we all kind of know kellen moore's really a lot behind it he went out and said screw it i'm going to take this defense and i'm going to push them to their max and whether it be through the run game whether it be through just cooper rush making great plays standing in the pocket getting hit i mean whatever it was he was not afraid to let that ball air out and the problem was this. The cornerbacks, the coverage was brutal. Bashad, oh. Bashad Breland can't play. Cam Dantzler, who who the Vikings were so disappointed in, Booney, in week one, that they scratched him. He didn't play. They barely let him on the field because Pat P's hurt now. Right. He has to start. So so what made sense about the, the game plan, and, and where I think, the, I mean, Zim had a terrible game. So just overall. But I think where what we're not focusing enough on is is you know in your days with this team, Mike was known as a cornerback whisperer. He right. could do anything with cornerbacks. That coverage was awful, and Bashad Breland literally tipped a ball to Amari Cooper to set up the winning score. Like he he handed him the football. He juggled it and then said, "Amari, happy Halloween. You take it. Trick or treat. I want to give you a big piece of football candy." Tonight, you want to see a juggling act from Bashad Breland into the arms of Amari Cooper and the Vikings fans' heads exploding. Stick around.
God. So, but I think that that's for all that Mike is known for. I think the starting point is that one. You can't. You may, and and I saw somebody just quickly. I saw some some joker on Twitter tweeted <laughs> Cooper Rush looked good and good arm strength. Did you watch that game? Was it like some random guy or like Probably. a media member? Or what it was you... a random dude, but I'm saying like you would have to <laughs> not watch the game to say that, that Cooper Rush had arm strength. I watched it in person. The ball was literally airmailing itself. Yeah. There was zero zip. No, was that say, was despicable. No, there was no strikes coming from Cooper. And I wouldn't have expected there to be. But I think no. what he did, what was great, was he just had enough confidence in Kellen's system to go, you know what, they'll put me in the right place. Number one, when you look up and you see a cornerback like 10 yards off, you're like, okay, well, I'm just going to throw this quick five-yard out to Amari Cooper for the first down since nobody wants to challenge us. Like, that's where I kind of got upset. And as a player, I would have been a little upset. Like, listen, we go in at halftime. It is what it is. Blase, blase. Let's fix this. Let's turn around. Let's put some pressure on this dude you saw what happened uh who was it woods comes off the edge and just smokes him like dude that's what you need you need more of that with a young quarterback because young guys nowadays they're risky they're not afraid to go out there and say hey listen i'm the backup i'll go out and zing it around and if we lose we lose no one really cares hey whatever but if i go out here and i sling it for 325 boy I could really start doing some things for my own career. And that's what happened. And he went out and Kellen Moore was smart enough to go, hey, they probably think we're going to be screening ourselves and checking it down. But instead, we're going to be airballing it everywhere. And you're right. it was There was no zip on any of those balls. So it's kind of like, at what point is somebody just going to go grab one of these? Right. Actually, uh, I got the, the nerd stat of the week here. Just like everything that you're sort of saying, Booney. So average depth of throw in that game. So how how far down the air uh, down the field did the ball travel in the air on average? Yeah, the guy making his first career NFL start averaged ten yards depth of throw in that game. Kirk Cousins and the Vikings offense. Like I don't want to put it all on Kirk Cousins, but well, four four yards. So so ten, ten yards for Cooper Rush on the road. In a, in, a, in a game where you would think, you know, Vikings pass rush, right, probably going to play it safe, check it down, and they said no. And, and, and it resulted in a couple interceptions and it did. some risky throws. But, like, I think it's a good example of you don't have to be afraid and paralyzed of throwing interceptions. If you think your team is good enough, take some chances and get the ball down the field. So what do you make of that 10 yards on average for the Cowboys and four yards on average and a bunch of them behind the line of scrimmage for the Vikings? I think that they're really – I think it's starting to be more evident to the rest of the – people that are watching that this offense is clearly handcuffed by somebody. And I don't know if it's Kubiak that's afraid. Like, And I'll give you the best example. Like, We go back, and everyone's talking about this right now, but like, they're talking about more about the second-half timeout situation. But I'm talking more about the first-half timeout situation because to not be a quarterback in a situation where you know that you just scrambled and you hit the middle of the field, you're not going to have enough time to do anything with 20 seconds. So if you're really trying to make a shot, you got to take a timeout. But it just it goes back to this like cluster that they always are in. And it's always like a confusion and like who's the alpha, who's not the alpha. Well, something goes wrong. Well, Mike's supposed to be doing it. But then every other time it's like everybody else is kind of like, well, you know, he can do it or not. And it, it, there's just too much confusion. And I feel like at this point, the way that Zim's gone about his whole career here, like this is kind of the tipping point because it's, you know, him and Kirk have had so many riffs and they've been so hot and cold to each other. And it's just oil and water. And you're like, what? It's never going to mix. And it's like they're force feeding this offense into something that they're not. Instead of just saying, hey, listen, go out there and just just play free, man. Like whatever happens, the defense will figure it out. And if we don't, we all go down together. But at this point, it looks to me like everything out there is just being forced in every which way. And it's just not working. I think so- we should play the clips real quick. 
Because Booney referenced yeah. him here. And then I got a question off of that, these clips. Okay, these are, we're going to play you back-to-back. I got this, Dex. We'll okay. play back-to-back clips here. Let's start with Kirk, Kirk Cousins was asked, end of the first half, hey, you know, you slid, and then a bunch of time ran off the clock. You guys had a timeout. You could have spiked it. Like, what? That was weird. Right. What happened? In that situation, is that your prerogative to call timeout, perhaps? or I just let Zim handle the timeouts because I never know quite what the coaches want to do with what they're thinking, you know, play ahead or what it may be. So I was just uh, going to let them handle that and then, uh, you know, call the next play if, if we're not getting it. All right, and then this is Mike Zimmer's response. To yeah, that. I screwed up. I forgot that I called one. Somebody yelled at me because I knew. That's the wrong clip. Uh, the second clip is Mike Zimmer saying, yeah, that's a miscommunication. He is allowed to call timeouts, but See? I, you know. It's okay. like this, this, it, it, it's too much miscommunication. And I feel like Kirk feels like he can't be the real leader that he wants to be. Because any other quarterback in that situation, even a quarterback that's young, would know, hey, listen. If I got to burn a timeout here, I got to do what I got to do. I slid in the middle of the field. I can't let this clock run anymore. If we are really trying to go down and get points. Now, if you're out there just to be out there and they're like, hey, listen, if we get something going, maybe we take it. If not, take, well, you know, we'll let the clock run down. But it seemed to me like they were, they're in a point in the game where I think they kind of got punched in the mouth and they didn't think that the Cowboys were going to come out and play as tough as they did. So they're kind of like, hey, listen, let's go down and let's see if we can catch them off guard. 40 seconds left, whatever. Let's just do what we can do and push the ball. For Kirk not to call a timeout, that's a shame on him because as a 10-year vet, you know you should have called that. Like, there's no getting around that. But it's the point that he falls back on Zip. Like, to me, that's kind of like a scapegoat. Oh, well, I don't really know. They don't really let me do much here. It's kind of his fault. Well, dude, you're a 10-year vet. Are you an idiot? Do you not know how to run an offense? Like, like at what point are you going to be like, well, you know, uh, coach didn't tell me to do the T sign, so I didn't do it. Okay, so you've never played in a game before. You don't understand clock management. You don't understand how important it is that when you get punched in the mouth and you have time to go down and do something, you should probably do it. And that, to me, is keeps falling back on this relationship. Like, they're just not getting it. And to me, you're taking the rest of the team down with you. Mm-hmm. Dude, amen. Uh-huh. I mean, this is true. These two – and if you think about it, because it really is, it's these two's relationship that is causing everything to happen on this team. Every single nugget in the media is always about these two guys – Always. Number one, I blame Zim because you know better than anybody that when you pay somebody $100 million, they rule the roost and not you. I'm sorry. That's how it goes. If you don't like it, make more money. But that's the rules. And not only that, when you're the guy that controls the fate of the game, you rule the roost. Hey, man, I'm 10 years in this league. I've done some things. Yeah, I've never really done a lot. But if you let me go, I can do a lot. But I beat you, the Lions a couple times. Right. Like, you know, every now and then I'll, I'll throw a game out there and people are like, whoa, maybe he's bad. I'm just saying that he is a good enough quarterback that if you just leave him alone, he would win you more games than if you would just get out of the guy's ear. Clearly there's somebody talking to him. Clearly there's something going on because there are times where he looks great. And then all of a sudden something small happens and like the place implodes on itself. Instead of everyone just being like, oh, well, this is a normal team. We function like a normal team. The coach loves the quarterback. Instead, it's kind of like, listen, here's how we're going to do it. You just be conservative enough to win the game and I'll figure it out. Instead of it, it just it keeps showing up. And not only that, but then I keep going back to like Kubiak. Like, where do you fit in in all this? Like at some point you need to be a manager of all of this. Like, hey, Zim. Why don't you go that way and leave us alone? Or like, hey, Zim, maybe we'd like a little more of your expertise. Maybe you could help us figure out why we're not pushing the ball down the field, why we're stalling out on all these drives. Maybe you have some input. Like, it just seems like there's never that kind of communication. 
And there never has been, if you think about it. Like, it's always the same thing year in and year out. And it keeps going back to this definition of insanity. Like, we're going to continue the same trend every year, and hopefully this will work this year. And that's just not how it goes. And this is why putting a 34- or 35-year-old kid who is um, the son of your friend in charge of your offense was never going to work. Mike Zim- I mean, Booney, you played for him. Like, like you're, you're asking a question that you've seen the answer to. Right. Like, if, if young Kubiak went into Mike and said, Mike, this is BS. What you're doing is BS. I'm going to straighten this out. Mike would implode. Mike couldn't handle that. Would he, though? Why? Where are we, Mike? Why are you imploding? I can't he's a kid. Gary could do that, Booney, but not but that's, not a kid. And that's the problem, though. People aren't confident enough in who they are in this league. And it's showing up week in and week out. I'll tell you who showed me he's confident. Cooper Rush did. He showed me I don't care what day of the week it is, what time it is. I'll show up. And you know what? It, it made me laugh a little bit because I'm looking at this and I'm like, man, the number one offense in the entire NFL. And I know for a fact that Dak Prescott is not the number one quarterback. So at some point I'm looking around and I'm like, man, this, this team's kind of doesn't really need a quarterback. At some point, the rest of the offense can just get it going without him. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, wow, why can't the Vikings do that? Because they have all the same pieces. We have two running backs. We have a great wide receiver trio. Our offensive line is shaky at best, but we could still muddy the waters up there to make people not know what's going on. And we could doll it up you know we could figure it out so at what point is what's the problem and i keep coming back to this miscommunication or this fact that there are people in this building that are just afraid to run wild with an offense and it falls kind of on kubiak because even though you're young you're still the oc you're being tied to all this whether you like it or not and you can be hey we're i'm you're my dad's buddy buddy with you whatever hey man look my name my reputation is getting thrown out here people are wondering what i'm doing and i'm this is not my offense i want to open it up i want to have fun i want to do else unless he doesn't in which case you you are a horrible hire because that offense is just not working and you have one of the scariest running backs in the backfield and he's like being underutilized every which way so actually, because I, I think a lot of people listening, are, there, there's a huge faction of people, whether it's Kirk or Zimmer, that everything goes back to the offensive line. And it, and it is fair to say that, you know, I mean, my God, like, basically <laughs> since, since you left even, like, you you are one of, like, 16 starting guards that they've yeah. used in the last, you know, so, so there is a case to be made that they just, they have not built great offensive lines. But I think people take that too far, I think. I think people say, well, the Vikings offensive line is garbage, therefore you can't do anything other than throw screen passes and check it down. Right. So, like, in that game against the Cowboys, um, it was statistically the worst pass-protecting performance of the year. They allowed pressure on 38% of snaps. And I see that, and I'm like, and that's bad. But you still had a relatively clean pocket for the other, what's my math, 62% of snaps. So, yeah. as you see it, it's it's not a great offensive line, but is it train wrecking everything, or is there more to it? Is it more Kubiak Zimmer Cousins relationships, communication, and things, um, or is no. it as simple as oh, if you fix the offensive line, then everything is magically perfect? No. I'm with you, dude. I think too many people, and that to me is just bad people, like bad media. Like people are constantly, oh, their O line's terrible. They can't be good, dude. That's the dumbest thing I ever heard but they work well and they know what they can do and what they can't they don't go hey listen we got a battle line let's put everybody on an island this week that'll be fun they're like hey 
everybody here sucks. Okay, well, then we're going to slide the whole line one way. We're going to run some play action off the other side, or we're going to run a fullback over there to cut the end. Because, you know, a defensive end doesn't want to get cut. And if you cut him three or four times, maybe he'll slow down his rush a little bit. Like, these guys start to develop this mindset of, okay, I'm handcuffed here. Get me out of it. And that, to me, that's another reason why I keep throwing it back to Kubiak. Because, number one, I don't think people are talking about it enough. But, number two, I think everybody's kind of so focused on Zim. And I know he's getting enough of the blame. I don't need to give him any more, but I fall back on Kubiak because it's like, dude, you have one of the greatest running backs in the backfield, and you have all these receivers that can do all these amazing things, and you fail to use them constantly instead of doing, like, reverses, double reverse passes. Like, if I were Kubiak, it would be so off the wall. People would be like, I don't even know where to start with these guys. I really don't. Like, we're going to have to defend the slant game. At the same time, we're going to have to defend these RPOs, and they're running them with Kirk Cousins. And he, we know he's not going to run the ball, but at some point, like, this dude's just good on the move and throwing the ball, more waggles, less tight end screen. We're all sick of seeing the tight end screen. <laughs> I feel like, and I used to always wonder this, like, I would be in a huddle, right? You'd get the flow of the game, and you'd get who we were trying to go after. We'd hit him once. We'd go away. We'd come back later. We'd go away. We'd come back. And then all of a sudden, there'd be this random play, and you'd be like, what the hell is that? <laughs> Why did they throw that in? And you'd be like, what, did the, the OC go get a hot dog or something? Like, yeah, hey, Brian, call the next one. <laughs> like, I feel like there, people are overusing these tight end screens because they think they're smart. They're like, look, all these guys don't see it. Well, eventually, people are like, okay, it's week eight, and we've done a ridiculous amount of them. We need to stop but then all of a sudden you see tyler conklin running down the sideline catches a beautiful fade pass i didn't see it the rest of the game mm-hmm. you know what i didn't even see him running down the field the rest of the game to be honest with you and that's what's so pathetic about this is that you have so much amazing talent and you have a quarterback that if you would just be like hey buddy you know what matter of fact do me a favor go out and throw an interception today i want you to throw it so far i just want you to throw it to the other team if you have to i don't even care i just want to make sure you still have the confidence to throw it over 15 yards because I'm starting to get nervous. But yet we have these amazing wide receivers that could almost catch anything contested and run amazing routes. What is the problem? Justin like, Justin Jefferson, they did the exact right thing in the scripted plays. They went after Trayvon Diggs because despite all the picks, he's a hit or miss guy. He's right. a boomer bust guy. He got a penalty. He got beat. And and Jefferson, like, sort of slowed his route. It was weird, but the goal route actually worked. Anyway, long story short, they then abandoned it. Right. Why would you? Trayvon Diggs, we, we talked about this all last week. Attack him. He's going to give up some huge plays. And if he, and to your point, if he picks one. Who cares? He picks one. It's a bleeping punt, basically. Right. They're, so, they're, but they're paralyzed by the idea that something but, bad might happen. Right. But, but why? But why was the script so that? But this is my frustration. The script showed you the way, and then you're like, "Oh, the script's done. Can't do that anymore." I, I really do think it's a lack of coaching from Kubiak, and that's another side of it. Is the first drive was incredible. Like it would just look mm-hmm. routine: pitch, catch, couple runs. We go out, we do our thing, we have some fun. Ha ha! We come off the field. After that, it was like a let's just pull a play out of the hat. Let's see. Oh, whoa, another tight end screen. Here we <laughs> Kirk, you ready for this one? All right. Like, Swing pass to CJ Ham. Let's uh, get it, boys. At some point, Kirk was probably like, oh, it's not working. I can't hear. I can't hear. I mean, like, he really, CJ Ham was the focal point of your team in that game. And that's, you, and it goes back to this inexperience of coaching. And I think he's so afraid of going back to the same play. And instead of saying, hey, you know what? We're going to challenge a team. And, and, because to be honest with you, and like I said before, Dallas to me is a bunch of talkative dudes. They get hyped. They get excited. If you punch them in the mouth, they're like, okay, we were just playing. 
We don't want to do this with you. And that was that should have been the game plan the whole day. But instead, you let your interior just get manhandled by everybody. The outsides are wondering when the ball's coming. And when it does come, it's like hit or miss. I mean, like everything about that game was just not right. And it goes back to this one thing. There was no spark. Like in the beginning, there was. And you could see it. You were like, well, Dallas is screwed. And then it was gone. And it never came back. Never. I mean, even after like you're third and 16, you call two timeouts because you're an idiot. And all of a sudden it's third and 11. It's third and 11. The chances of you converting that are like so against that team. And you miss two tackles to get it. Like there is no more spark. Somebody needs to step up and say, hey, it's third and 11. If they convert this, we suck. And they did. And And then not only that, dude, I thought the dagger in the back was when they threw it for the touchdown. We're not going to run it in. We're going to let Cooper Rush get the credit for this. Like, that yeah. to me was like, dude, Helen Moore is so diabolical. He just put his name. And, and then Declan, I completely agree with you. I think that if Kellen Moore is not the head coach here next year, I bet you it'll be Byron Leftwich, who's yeah. down in Tampa right now. And yeah. I was with Byron in Arizona. This guy, I'm not kidding you. When I start thinking about all these OCs that I love, they were so like, whatever. What do you guys want to do? You want to do that? Oh, we'll do it the first play. <laughs> All right, cool. Like, they just give you this freedom to be like, yeah, we do. No, we don't want to run that. That's stupid. Well, tell me why it's stupid. Well, it's stupid because, you know, you're underestimating the safety, and he's going to make the play, and all of a sudden, okay, fine. Then we'll take it out. We'll scrap it. So you – because I think a lot of people would look at – like, I mean, Kellen Moore – for a while it was, okay, is it Dak Prescott or is it Kellen Moore? And then when you you, you craft a game plan and it's Cooper Rush, that probably elevates him, right? Right. A a lot of people are going to look at Byron Leftwich and say – well, I mean, like, we're not going to hire you because you're associated with Tom Brady, right? So, But you're saying his knowledge and expertise goes well beyond just, like, being in a room with Tom Brady the last couple of years. Yeah, and I think it's not only that, but I think it's the fact that Byron had played forever. He obviously came from another system in Arizona with Carson Palmer, and he's been with B.A. forever. But I think a lot of it, and I, I keep going back to this because these coaches that are kind of controlling these teams right now, they seem extremely likable. Whether anybody says they are or not is nobody knows. But I can tell you from a fact that you can see on the sidelines that these guys are just excited. They're hyped up. I mean, even in Green Bay, everyone always talks about like they they did and it's kind of died down like Aaron and and LaFleur's relationship and how it is. But they're always celebrating together. And it's not fake because football players never need to be fake. If I don't like you, I don't want to celebrate with you. Go away from me. But at the same time, they're like chest bumping and hugging. I'm like, dude. You never see that anymore on these crappy teams because they're like, whatever. I mean, even Dan Campbell's got his damn team fired up half mm. the time. Like, yeah, yeah. We're, we might win this one. And then you get blown out by the Eagles. <laughs> like, dude, way to let everybody down. Dan Campbell, dude. Yeah. I think Dan Campbell. So, so Booney, what's the relationship then if – because we know the Cousins-Zim relationship is basically – Toxic. Toxic, and they, and they need a divorce. So if you play for this team and you are not the head coach and you are not cousins, how are you processing this then? Because it seems to me that 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 relationship by itself, because those two people are so important, would drag things down. Like, I can't believe that Jefferson or Thielen or Cook or anybody is like, well, it's going to be fine. It has to feel like the fact that your quarterback and coach basically can't stand each other that that has to have 
repercussions throughout the entire team. So I've actually dealt with this, and I can't tell you on which teams or who it was between, but kind of the same situation. At times, it was a quarterback head coach riff. And it's like you almost have to just go about your own business. If I'm a player right now in that locker room, number one, I'm ashamed that we lost. I mean, we lost in our home crowd. Like, playing in front of that home crowd should instantly give you a win with the way that they are. But to go out and play as flat as you did and to let them come in here and just kind of kick you around at some point, like, you got to feel really like you didn't do your job. And you didn't – like, to me, that goes back to a preparation standpoint. We go in. They probably were like, oh, Cooper Rush, what's he going to do? You know, like, you just never know. And look at Mike White on the Jets. Like, against the Bengals, dude, you put up, like, 420 yards. You cannot sleep on anybody because every week people are showing you it's not just the quarterback that makes this team. You throw a ball in the air, that guy will fight for it. And that's another thing. Like, teams are starting to rally around themselves and they're starting to be like, yo, we'll protect you. We got this. Look at Dallas, who lost their starting quarterback. And we're basically, in my opinion, was going in like, hey, if we lose, we lose. It is what it is. We have Dak for the playoffs. We're fine with that. But to come in and steal a win, they were probably like, okay, we are way better than anybody ever gave us credit for. And now look at us. Like, you've just built more confidence in them. Instead of doing what you should have done and come out and play an efficient game, not slept on this team. Like, this, they didn't have a lot of pressures coming into this game. Like, yeah, at times they'd show up, but they weren't like the world beaters and like coming in and smashing people around. But you made them look good. And that is just a lack of confidence preparation not being ready to go for the game i mean all these things keep coming back and it just keeps coming circling around the same people the coaching staff hey at some point yeah the players will pay the piper a lot of them will get cut a lot of them will have to take pay cuts like that's just how it goes the coaches are the ones that should be like hey that falls on us because we really slept on that game yeah i have i have a I have a theory I want to run by you in a second here on the Zimmer Cousins relationship, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you the relationship that I think we all know is cohesive is Judd and Livia, skinny Judd and Livia. Livia weight control centers. I started a month ago. I went in a month ago. I was 240. Now for Booney, 240 is nothing. He's fine with it. He can be 240. He'd be thin. For me, I was getting fat. A month after, a month. Later, 223 pounds. That's this right, guy. down approximately 17 pounds. Yeah. And now I want you out there. I want you, because the Vikings got you down, right? I want you to be to be inspired. I want you to, to feel good about yourself. Join now. Get the first 10 weeks for free. Limited time offer in soon. Livia.com, 855-GO-L-I-V-E-A. Livia.com. Check them out. The plan is easy. The plan is effective. And best of all, it's going to give you something outside of the local football team to feel good about. Also, you know, the Vikings are way too risk averse. They're just like paralyzed by fear all the time. Listen, if you're a business owner out there and you want someone else to worry about risk management tools and just protecting you and give you peace of mind, that's where Federated comes in. They've been around for over 100 years down in Owatonna, Minnesota. They've been helping business owners for that entire time. And uh, they're all about protecting your bottom line, protecting your employees, Check them out at federatedinsurance.com. Click on the risk management corner. And uh, just remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. You like that? So, you you know, I keep going back to this. I I, I love what Booney's been saying about that the Cousin-Zimmer relationship and the lack of communication, I think the lack of respect is very evident as well. And I think it trickles down to the rest of the team. I mean, you had, you know, Blake Barrett's, who's a he's a friend of the show. He's Adam Thielen's agent, and he represents multiple Vikings players. He's tweeting the other night, I represent multiple Vikings players, and I'm sick of watching this. And then it's time, really? dot, dot, dot. Yeah. See, yeah. I, 
And like it's, what, and you got to think how many conversations has he had? Oh right? my god, yes. Like, who and, is the one guy we always go to when we're mad? Like, oh, bro, you really set me up here with this place. Can you believe what's going on right <laughs> I, now? I know. I'll tell you. And so, like, when I hear Kirk Cousins, I'm just going to play this clip one more time here. Okay, this is so. I want you to envision Tom Brady or Russell Wilson. Like Russell Wilson was not happy with the organization for a couple of years oh. and almost asked out. But like envision those guys at a podium when it comes to a question like this. Hey, what happened? There was a cluster bleep at the end of the first half. And now it's it's your moment as a leader. You can either what I what I think good leadership is deflect credit, shoulder blame, right? Always. If it's. If something goes wrong, it's on me. If something goes right, it's a we or it's a them thing. And so this is Kirk Cousins' moment, and he answers this that way. situation is that your prerogative to call timeout, perhaps? or I just let Zim handle the timeouts because I never know. I just let Zim. Hey, what happened in that cluster bleep? And he could have said if he respected his head coach. And I, by the way, I'm not saying that he should respect his head coach. I'm just saying he doesn't. Right. You know, if if he respected his head coach, he would have said, yeah, that's on me or or we all like in some way. And instead, he dire- the first words out of his mouth were, were that's basically that's on Zim. Right. Under the bus. Right. And lack lack of respect both ways. One hundred percent. And I think that a lot of it is, you know, as a player and I get a lot of flack for this, but you got to understand that, like when you are a player and you've been in the game. You don't see coaches as coaches anymore. So they're more as advisors. Right. Like, dude, I've been around the block. I know. <laughs> I've seen a lot of things, man. I get it. They'll be like, hey, maybe you should try this. Maybe you should think about this. And that's when you're like, all right, this is growing. But, like, at the same time, they're they're kind of equals to you. And I feel like Kirk is almost afraid of Zim. Because to not call that timeout, I keep going back to the fact of, like, what are you so afraid is going to happen? Right. Hey, I called it's a timeout. Weird, all of a sudden, like, Zim going to blow up in your face? Like, is he going to, oh, we needed that timeout. Well, you needed it or did I need it? Like, don't, don't, Dude, don't you think Zim, like, from Cousin's standpoint, I think he's throwing this coach under the bus because he doesn't like him, and I think he's right. like he's just playing the "I just work here" card. But now no, you make thirty-five million, you don't just work here. You don't just work. You here, run bro. right. But on Zimmer's front, like if I could defend Zim for a second, he probably wants his quarterback to take charge in that moment and run the show. I don't think he's. I don't think he would have been mad if his quarterback calls a timeout, unless you think I'm wrong. But you haven't given him the proper. I'm trying to think of how I'm going to phrase this. You haven't given him the right setting. You obviously haven't made him feel comfortable when he has done things like that. Hey, maybe this has happened in the past and Zim was like, hey, don't be so stupid next time we call a timeout. Instantly, yeah. as a vet, I'm like, okay, number one, who who did you just call stupid? Number two, we're not going to have a conversation about this? Like, I'm just an idiot and it's over? And a lot of times it's, yeah, that's how it goes. And you're like, okay. And sometimes that's for the better. But at the same time, I, like a 10-year NFL vet making $35 million a year was like, well – I leave it to the coaches to do that, dude. Then, then Wait. give twenty million back so they can find right. you a center. I'm confused. <laughs> Are you the leader out there or not? Are we really relying on Garrett Bradbury to be the the boss out there? Like, dude, at some point you have to be. And it just keeps to me it keeps going back to the fear thing of like, what's going to happen if I do call this time? Am I going to get in trouble? Are they going to get pissed? You know, or am I really just not thinking in that moment? In which case, there are bigger issues at hand than that. This was destined. The relationship between these two men was destined not to work from the second the cousin stepped in the door. Look at look at what Mike is like. Booney, you know this perfectly. He's a bristly a-hole old school football coach, okay? <laughs> That's who Mike is. Kirk, Kirk as a person, because I think the frustrating thing with Kirk is there's no questioning his skill. He no. is a national he is a, probably a superstar talent as far as the body goes. 
But Kirk is a coddled human being. It's clear he's been coddled his entire life who desperately needs approval. Well, Mike ain't going to give him approval Ever. because Mike does. I'm sure I'm sure there wasn't one day in your life where Mike's like, Booney, come here. I love you. Because, I mean, you're you're wired. <laughs> come on like in Mike. here, you rascal. <laughs> but you're wired like Zimmer. You, you and Zimmer actually should have gotten along because you're both no BS. You probably swear up a storm. It's great. I'd love to hear it. But Kirk is, um, for lack of a better term, a mentally weak, soft guy. Right. And so, and so, when he has one timeout left, he's thinking to, to himself, "Well, Mike, nobody's telling me what to do right now. Nobody's telling me what am I supposed to do? What, right. what, what?" Right. And and our problem is, as fans and media, and probably players too, we're all like, the quarterback has to lead here. But guess what? Not every QB is an alpha. We saw Ponder, who also d- didn't have the physical talent as well. Kirk has that talent, but we're never going to get past the fact that unless you have a guy who absolutely empowers Kirk, never gets mad at Kirk, and tells Kirk, you basically you're the greatest thing since sliced bread, Kirk's going to pout, and Kirk is not going to take control. And we can talk about it till that cow has come home. Well, he should. Well, yes, he should. But, I mean, Phil, you know, talk about Brady, Wilson. Rogers, what do all of those guys have? They are strong, mentally wired humans. Oh, yeah. Dude, Russell Wilson, like, I don't know if you guys have seen this because I think he did this uh, uh, for sure, the two primetime games. With a broken hand, he's literally out there by himself running running ghost two-minute drills and, like, like pretending as if his teammates are there and, and, he's, and he's running and he's calling his own. Like, he's calling timeouts in a pretend two-minute drill sure. an hour and a half before the game. Yeah, you know, I, like it, it's it's amazing. I, I can tell you from experience, there's no question who the boss is on that side of the field. Like even like when I was there with Shadi, like Russ was the dude. There was never ever a moment that I stepped in that building that I wasn't like Russell's the boss. I got it. Like you know what I'm saying. But here's and then I'm glad that Judd brought that up because this brings me to my next victim that we're gonna need a body bag for. <laughs> okay, because. Oh. Fire is ass. Here we go. Here we go. You want to play silly games, we'll win stupid prizes. Here we go. <laughs> if you talk about this relationship hasn't been good from the beginning, and I've known this, we've all known it. We're all just afraid to talk about it. And I'm not really sure why everyone's afraid to talk about it because it's the truth. But at that point, I feel like you have to go back at Spielman and be like, listen, man, you knew this from the beginning that these two weren't good. We tried it. We did our thing. But then you extended him. And you kept going down the road that you are on now. And it feels like at some point you have to fall back on the GM. And I feel like they never get enough blame because they're always kind of hidden from the media and they're behind the scenes. But if you knew this relationship was so toxic and we all knew it was going to go nowhere, then why did you continue to go down this road? At some point you should have been like, hey, man, we need to get out of this. And we'll do whatever we got to do to get out. We got to save ourselves because if the head coach and the quarterback just can't get along and there's constant media people hovering over us about their relationship. That's just too much drama for a football team to overcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dude, we brought this up on Mackie and Judd today too. You know, if you go back and roll the tape almost four years ago, when these negotiations were happening, you know, there, there, there was probably discussions before free agency shocking right. that happens. And, uh, and Mike Zimmer went up to the podium when they, because they had no quarterbacks because Case Keenum was a free agent and they right. had to decide we're in a Super Bowl window and, and, and we're going to try and find the next quarterback. And he went up to the podium at the combine and said, "We got to be careful about overspending on a quarterback and disrupting the rest of the like the flow of this thing." See? 
and, he, and, he, and that wasn't just him floating a notion. Like he knew that they were considering Kirk Cousins, yeah. and he flat out told whether now whether it's warranted or not. He was basically telling you, I don't know about this for a few different reasons, and and then they brought him in anyways. Now the indictment on Zimmer is all right. He's here, build a relationship and make it work. Right, and then, and, 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 and that's where he that's where he deserves heat. It's like he right. never made the most important relationship work. Right, and then, and I agree with you on that. When you even if that was a warning shot to the team, like hey, listen, let's not be stupid. I'm just letting everybody know. But even if you did, when you do go through with that, you still have to be the bigger man and the adult and the head coach would be like, listen, everybody's wired differently. I can get along with anybody. I just got to find a common denominator with this kid and we can move from there, whether it be hunting something stupid that can make us build a relationship because when you don't, this is what you're seeing. And at times it looks like the rest of the team knows it and they're playing like antsy and they're like, we got to do something. We have to make a play right now. We got to go do, you know, we can't get following. Like, and it's just, you see the rush and the and the team just doesn't look like they're themselves. And you're like, dude, that was Sunday night football in your own stadium. You should have yep. been super jacked. I mean, they play the theme song all week. You're like, dude, Al Michaels is going to be there. Oh, my God. That and Monday night football, man, I'm telling you, they're the two greatest. It's exact- and mm-hmm. and if, if Jefferson catches that goal route down the sideline on possession two, it's 14 to nothing. And, like, oh, yeah. you are – it's bl- it's a blowout time, Dude, This right? game's like, different. Da- Dallas is, is done. To your point, though, Boone, it's interesting that – because I always consider – and this is tough. I always consider great sports teams and, and executives to be ahead of the curve and see what's potentially coming. There's a very good case to be made that if Spielman and the Wills knew that they were going to extend Kirk in, in March of 2020, that you actually should have, even after the Saints playoff game win, said we're making a change with the head coach regardless because to what you just said by that point it was apparent they didn't work but like those two didn't work and if you think about that if you fire mike bring in an offensive coach then Diggs pr- probably says oh okay cool i'm here coach i'm here i'm not going to demand a trade yep. and and you think about it the biggest mistake is probably not originally signing kirk cuz i o- almost admire the Let's go for it. Move. The biggest mistake is not saying we're either going to let Kirk walk or Mike walk uh, because it's clear that they are never going to coexist to a point to make us as successful as we think we possibly can be. So that's where I think the problem lies is they win a playoff game. They then lose in really embarrassing fashion. They got their ass kicked and then you extend Kirk. So I think post-2019, if you had seen what we all saw, that's when you probably say, we got to pick one of them. Right. And I agree with you. And at that point, and I think people fall to the, oh, what's everybody going to say? Instead of saying, we know what's going on in our building. We're not yeah. idiots. We see it at lunch, the the right. disconnect, the rifts. Like, we are a professional sports team. One thing we cannot have is one two different sides. Like everybody has to be all in this together. And there was a coach when I was young that used to preach it's us versus them. And I never got it until I got it. And then I was like, wow, totally understand what he's saying now. Like it's not us versus the world. It's us versus other people closer to us, but we have to be careful of what is around us. And if you let a little tiny thing come into your team, it can, it can nuke the foundation and you're seeing it now this is a phenomenal team there's talent all over the board even in your secondary that's always suspect like 
Harry's enough. Woods is playing good enough. You can fix things. But with the rest of the team, it's like this whole Zimmer, Cousins, what's going to happen today? Oh, my God. Can I deal with it again? Are we going to just check it down the whole game to CJ Ham? Like, at some point, somebody has to do something. Well, don't get in trouble by the head man. Like, it's like, good God, somebody has to say something sometime. Yeah. Uh, man, this is there's so much more meat on this bone, too. But, Judd, real quick, tell the audience about your favorite beverage to, to, to drink after a disappointing Vikings loss. For a win. <laughs> Who cares? There is one right here by me. Yes, it's the Surly Furious IPA. Oh, hello, it is the best IPA in the state, in the country. We are now declaring it here on Score North, the best IPA in, in the world. In the world. In the entire world. The world. Tweet me. Your Show us your cans. Show us the cans. At Jay Zolgat on Twitter. I got like three or four on, on Sunday. It's fantastic. You do enough. In fact, Vikings fans will know exactly what I'm talking about here. You do enough settling in life, crack open a Surly Furious, and you can enjoy that IPA that revolutionized Minnesota craft beer. Don't settle. When you're talking, who deserves to be fired? Fire is fired. You should be drinking a Surly because it makes perfect sense. (laughs) I love love Declan's antagonistic uh, banner on the bottom on the YouTube. Jaboon wants someone someone fired. Oh, Declan, (laughs) we afraid of. Hey, Declan. By the way, are you are you related to another golf? I've. I mean, I I have a lot of golfs here. Yeah, but if you go back in the NFL, uh, no, Jared and I are not related. Jared and I are not related. We look look alike. And I know. we had the same last name. Yeah. But one are, of those golfs rises up yeah. in pressure moments. One of us rises up. Wills. Both are overpaid, but one of us delivers on that. <laughs> one of us does not. <laughs> one lives in Detroit now. Yeah. Oh, All right. We got to run. That's Alex Boone, <laughs> our football loving friend, 10 year NFL vet. Uh, tomorrow, write that down predictions. When are you guys going to admit that you were wrong? Tomorrow, every Wednesday, I'm Purple Daily oh, God, and Mackie and Judd. No, I'm done. Daily Vikings Entertainment. Thanks for hanging out with us.